Hello, everybody. I'm Tim Muma, and you're listening to localjobnetwork.com radio, and this is the podcast Management Decisions. Now, here we talk about all things related to upper management and executives to give you some insight that you can hopefully use. Today, we're looking into being an executive by speaking with an individual who has some terrific experiences to share. Our guest is Bob Donnelly. He's currently an educator and author, while also coaching and counseling executives on career planning. But more apropos to this subject, his experience with his time spent as an executive in IBM, Pfizer, Exxon as well, clearly some great organizations to draw from and hopefully learn some more. Bob, thanks again for coming back on the show. I guess, first of all, we like to give our listeners an idea of exactly you know, where you're coming from. I mentioned some organizations there. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of the, the size, the revenues of those organizations that you were once a part of? Okay. Although I was in a executive management positions in uh, at divisions of IBM, Pfizer, and Exxon, uh, I was not the CEO. So my positions basically were a sales and marketing manager at the, the IBM office products division. I was a divisional controller for the agricultural division of Pfizer, and I was the chief financial officer at uh, Exxon office systems. Now, all of these divisions were multi-million dollar operations unto themselves, uh, then I was a partner at an international consultancy, and my last corporate position was the CEO of the North American subsidiary of a Dutch multinational firm, and I positioned that company for sale to uh, Emerson, which is a Fortune 100 company. Okay, great. I mean, and obviously all positions that have uh, added importance and value to them, I mean, talk about um, some of the, the revenues and, and uh, that go into those. I guess with your career, was there any point or a turning point where you said you wanted to be in more of a, a management position or an executive position? Was there something that sparked you to move into that area? I mean, give us a little bit of a, what your path was like. Okay. Well, first of all, I developed a career plan uh, after serving in the United States Marine Corps and attending uh, New York University Stern School of Business. So uh, my Marine Corps experience instilled in me the, the planning discipline and the value of having a plan. My first goal was to get a job with a company that was at the leading edge of its technology. And at the time, IBM was the pioneer in automation. Sure. It took me quite a while to get into IBM, but it was a wonderful learning experience. IBM was and still is a disciplined, well-managed company, uh, you know, with opportunities for advancement if you wanted it. So it fit perfectly with, uh, you know, my Marine Corps training and discipline. I was successful because I applied myself and demonstrated the willingness to take on more responsibility. However, uh, it became obvious uh, to me that I would not be the president of IBM, uh, <laughs> and I decided to move on in order to achieve my career plan. So I then joined Pfizer uh, as a divisional controller and a player in uh, Pfizer's overall strategic planning process. As a matter of fact, we doubled the size of our operating unit through acquisitions over a five-year period, you know, executing the strategic plan. Again, I realized that I would not be the president of Pfizer, and I left to continue to achieve my career plan. And then I joined uh, Exxon Enterprises, which was the pioneering uh, Exxon Office Systems Division as the Chief Financial Officer, and again participate in the implementation, the implementation of the strategic plan. So as in my earlier positions, I realized that I would not be the president of Exxon, so uh, you know I had to, again, move on to achieve my career plan. So since I was working for the largest company in the world, there was no place for me to go but down. So then I joined an international consultancy as a managing partner and part of the management team. Likewise, after several years, uh, an opportunity arose to be the president and CEO of the North American subsidiary of a Dutch multinational firm, which was one of our clients in our consulting practice. So my plan always was to be the CEO of a company, which I think should be the goal of anybody with an interest in business. 
So I managed that company for 10 years and uh, grew it into the market leader in uh, the segment of the industry that we were in. And I positioned the company for sale, and we sold with Emerson Flow Control, uh, again, a Fortune 100 company. Well, I think your point was made there as far as you, you know the perspective that you always wanted to be the CEO or president, and that was always your focus, and that's why you did bounce around to different to different areas. People are still going to wonder, well, okay, how do I get to that point? How do you reach a level like that? What is the magic formula? I mean, is there anything you could give people in terms of tips or advice? Uh, again, in my own case, I realized that I wanted to be an executive and eventually a CEO after my Marine Corps experience. Right. So I developed my career plan when I was about 24 years old, and uh, I exited corporate America, basically, which was the Exxon Corporation, uh, when I was 37. So during these 13 years, I vigorously exercised my career plan with Fortune 100 firms, basically parlaying my experience from one to the other. The result was I developed, I guess we could say, is a platinum pedigree, you know, the United States Marine Corps, New York University, IBM, Pfizer, and then finally Exxon. So I started out in a junior executive role and grew into a senior executive position. So again, you know, my work ethic was founded in the, in, in the Marine Corps training. I wanted to be successful and pursue success diligently, which I think everybody should do. I used the performance evaluation process at each company to determine, as I did in the military, number one, you know, how was I doing? Number two, what did I need to do to get to the next level? And then number three, which is the most important thing, you know, when would that happen? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it did not happen, then I had to make a career decision to stay or go, which I did, you know, when it was obvious that I wasn't going to make the plan with my current corporate employer. So if you look back upon it, you know, I averaged a little over four years with each company, which was enough time for me to determine whether or not I was going to achieve my plan with each one. And that's perfect. That's exactly what we're looking at in terms of, okay, how long is too long? And again, it may vary. We understand that we're speaking somewhat in generalities, but for yourself, there was clearly a finite time where you felt, you know, it's time to move on. I'm not going to be able to get to those levels here. When you were at some of these positions, especially when you're overseeing individuals or managing, you know, and, and business propositions, what, I guess, what are some of the pressures being at that level? What are some of the major concerns that you have that maybe people don't know about or you just think are important to know about? Okay, well, let me just just backtrack a little bit. You know, I exited because I explained earlier, you know, where else could I go since I was working for the largest company in the world at right. the time? You know, and anywhere else would be a step down. So, you know, my greatest concerns working at those levels was that the higher I went, uh, the more I felt I was losing my identity and future options. Hmm. And again, you know, the more money I made, the less likely it was that I could make much more because the opportunities becoming fewer and fewer and the risks were becoming greater and greater. So, you know, I was being asked, for example, why would you want to leave the Exxon Corporation? Well, my answer always was, uh, I don't see much more opportunity for growth for me there. So, you know, the, the pressure, if there was any pressure, and the only pressure I felt you know, was political pressure and peer pressure, both of which were, uh, to me personally, uh, distractions, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, what, what causes these kinds of things? I think it's the unknown, right? I think the loss of identity is what bugged me more than anything else. Sure. You know, with advances in responsibility comes advances in assets and a host of, you know, responsibility. And the fear of not being able to sustain these increasing pressures creates stress, I think, for almost any executive. 
Of course, you talked about having uh, a certain personality and work ethic derived from your time uh, serving. And I think that's, you know, of course, I think everyone understands what goes into that. I mean, understands on a certain level, of course, you don't know unless you're doing it. But what would you point to as being important personality traits or qualities if someone is really going to advance themselves to an executive level position? Well, you know, when you begin your career, uh, you are being paid for your technical skills and know-how. However, you know, as you move up the corporate ladder, your ability to get along and fit into the culture becomes more and more important. So, again, I think you'll find that polished corporate politicians uh, are the most successful. Do you ever have any concerns? Because we hear this from people that, you know, maybe there's some lack of authenticity when it comes to that, that people are sort of faking it to get into these positions and they're they're showing themselves to be something they're not or just trying to fit in, as you mentioned, having that fit. I mean, is that ever a concern for you? Well, I think everybody winds up uh, with situations where you reach the old Peter principle, if you know what I mean. Well, fill us, fill us in for those that don't know. People rise to the level of their uh, capability and then uh, beyond that, they, they kind of stop. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I believe the more of a team player you are, the better you will survive like anything else in life. So I think you need to develop a keen sense about you and maintain a, you know, a good relationship with your superiors, your peers, and your subordinate. And I found that the more I could embellish my boss's uh, position, the less <laughs> concerns we both had. However, you know, when others became lone rangers, they slowly separated themselves from the team and then were looked upon unfavorably. And that seems to me to be what happens more often than not. Sure. We mentioned earlier, you know, some of the pressures maybe that there might be, and you brought out the unknowns. And of course, when you're running, whether you're running an organization or you're overseeing a number of people, there are that there is that pressure, that stress. Are there ways executives you would suggest to them handling some of that pressure or those obstacles, anything to help alleviate that? Any other little tips for them? Well, again, I think I mentioned earlier that I utilized the performance evaluation process everywhere I went. And that then allows you to find out, as I said a minute ago, how am I doing? What else do I have to do? And then how do I advance? So it really, if you use it properly, it gives you an opportunity to discuss you and your future and for the company or whoever you're working for to let you know, you know, where they believe you are in your natural progression within the company. So to me, if you use the performance appraisal system effectively, I mean, it's a wonderful tool for giving you, you know, whatever clues you need as to whether you should stay or go. Sure. And you touched on it briefly, that uh, idea of what is involved with that, uh, you know, performance review essentially of yourself. Could you give us a brief example with uh, maybe a specific, if you had a career path you had in mind, would you be able to quickly break it down for us? People have something tangible to grab onto? Well, I'll go back to my military experience. Sure. So what happened is when I went to my first duty station, I reported to whoever I was supposed to report to, and I said, hi, here I am. Uh, what do I need to do? Uh, and if I do it well, how long will it take me to get one of these whatever? Okay. And the uh, person I reported to said, well, this is what, what it is. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I did that and I came back and I said, hey, hi, here I am. I did all of those things. Now, (laughs) what do I have to do to get another one? Okay. And I took that basic principle and I applied it in my corporate life. So what happened is when I started a new job, at the end of the first quarter, I would go to my leader and I would say, hey, how am I doing? All right. 
And the leader would say, oh, you're doing great. So then I went back to my office and I made a little note. Leader said, I'm doing great. <laughs> At the end of the second quarter, I went to the leader and I said the same thing. And he said, you're doing great. The third quarter was a repetition. So that at the end of the year, when we had a performance appraisal, if I didn't get exceeds requirements, I would ask my boss, well, there's something seriously wrong here. Right. <laughs> you know, right. you told me I was doing great and now I'm not doing great. So now I'm starting to wonder what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. That basic technique is, is what I applied throughout my whole uh, corporate career. Well, there you go. It can be as simple as that, just to make sure you're on top of things. And uh, I like the direct approach to it so that you do understand what's going on and what you need to do. I think that uh, that can be beneficial to people as well. I, I would think that anybody would like to know that, Tim. Sure. Right? You want to know You want to know that at home. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good <laughs> idea to sit around the kitchen table every quarter and say, hey, does mom like dad? Does dad like mom? And then, hey, do the kids like mom and dad? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I might try that. I don't know. The, the kids probably won't like me very often, but I'll survive. What are, what are you going to do? Yeah, but you could chat about it then. <laughs> right, and then I can figure out how to change. Well, I don't know if I'd change it because it's going to be, you know, I'll just give me more candy and more video games and we'll be fine, but I don't know about that. Not necessarily. I think it gives you an <laughs> opportunity to explain the kinds of values that you want to make sure that they're, you know, adhering to and absorbing. Sure, anyway. sure. No, it, it does make perfect sense. I, uh Obviously, just being a little facetious there. You talked about a little bit with uh, you know your own development and, and saying, okay, I'm not going to be the president of this organization, so I'm going to move on. What are some perks of being in that maybe CEO level presidential position that you would point to? Maybe not something financially or in compensation side, but even more on a personal level or on the mental side of things. What do you see as the perks? Well, obviously, as you progress, a variety of perks come your way, you know, like a nicer office space, bonuses, shares of stock options, club memberships, company cars, parking spots, uh, deferred compensation plans, first-class travel, company planes, executive dining, expense accounts, enhanced benefits, all kinds of perks. How about from the non-tangible side? I mean, is there a certain peace of mind of being in a position where you sort of have more control? Obviously, it's a sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a plan, then I don't know what you're trying to accomplish because you don't have any goals. So if you have a plan and you're able to achieve that plan, then it gives you a fabulous sense of accomplishment. All right. And that is what I think everyone needs to apply to their life and to their, to their careers. Okay. Are you accomplishing what you set out to accomplish? You know, you wanted to become a member of corporate America and to become a member of corporate America. I think it assumes that somehow or another, you're going to, you know, progress to higher and higher levels of responsibility. Sure. Well, once again, Bob, I appreciate your insight and your perspective on things, Um, you know, a very open, direct approach, and we always appreciate that on the radio. Before we wrap things up for this episode of Management Decisions, again, just wanted to get your final pieces of advice or insight into, again, for anybody who wants to be an executive, wants to get to that position, what can you offer up to them as a final takeaway? Okay. So again, I think if you're doing what you do best and enjoy doing, then you know, you should be confident and relaxed all, all by, by itself. However, if you're doing what you have to do, uh, then it becomes harder and harder to relax, right? So my advice for executive is, obviously, I think you need to develop a career plan as soon as you can. And that's a simple process. You know, where am I now? Where do I want to be? And most importantly, how am I going to get there? Now, the other thing I have to make sure everybody understands is, you really can't spend all that you make. You've got to invest in whatever. 
401ks, stock, and whatever other incentives the company offers. Now, I still have all of the stock I was given at IBM and at Pfizer at Exxon. I think you also need to make decisions critical to achieving your career plan. You know, if you're having the same year again and again, you've lost all that time. And you don't have a lot of time to make it to the corporate roundtable. And that time is becoming less and less. So, you know, if you're not looking forward to going to work, if you're uncomfortable and anxious while you are there, and you want to go home as soon as you can, I would say something is seriously wrong, and, and you need to get out of there. I also think you should look forward to every day. Work your plan all day and be constantly looking for more responsibility and opportunity. So I think the goal is to have fun and make money. If you're not having any fun, you're not making any money, I don't think your plan is working. So, <laughs> you know, these days I'm busier than I've ever been and looking forward to all the opportunities being presented to me, you know, almost every day. Well, again, we definitely appreciate your insights and taking some time with us today, and hopefully this will help out our listeners as well. We are going to have to close out this edition of Management Decisions on LJN Radio. Our guest once again has been Bob Donnelly, an individual with plenty of experience at different executive levels, uh, including places IBM, Pfizer, um, some international organizations as well, and he's given us his perspectives on becoming an executive, um, and hopefully, again, our listeners can take plenty from his conversation with us today. Bob, thanks again for giving us some insight. We do appreciate it. Thank you. Of course, as I mentioned uh, previously with Bob on one of our shows, you can get more thoughts and perspectives from him. He has written a couple books, one being Guidebook to Planning, A Common Sense Approach, and then also Personal Branding for Life. So if you're interested in finding out more about how Bob thinks, definitely check those out. Of course, we want to hear from you, the listener, as well. So go ahead and shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can offer up some suggestions for us and our podcast on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.